You are listening to Something Rather Than Nothing. Creator and host, Ken Vellante. Editor and producer, Peter Bauer. This is Ken Vellante with the Something Rather Than Nothing podcast. And this uh, episode, we have Sarah Bilt who is a singer in a uh, metal band, a doom metal band, uh, Coyote, uh, based, uh, she's based in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, she also sings for the Sarah B3 45 RPM Soul Review, um, kind of classic uh, soul, uh, soul music. Uh, she sings in that. She also does uh, beadwork and some other uh, graphic art. And uh, it's great to have uh, an artist that's local here nearby me in Eugene, Oregon. Sarah Bilt wanted to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, uh, the first question I ask guests is what you were like when you were, were you younger? Did you always have a, an artistic inclination? I did. Um, I was a really shy child and uh, um, grew up as an only child mostly. I had two older siblings, uh, on, through my mother, and I'm my father's only child. Uh, so I kind of spent a lot of time with myself and uh, started out writing, like poetry mostly, and singing and drawing too, but I kind of filled my time singing mostly. Uh, definitely... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, d- definitely. Um, spent a lot of alone time just kind of out in nature as well. I grew up um, on a farm in Northern California. And what type of um, what type of art? You, I mean, you mentioned you you sang. Um, did you take any lessons for singing? Or is, I mean, you you have an incredible voice. I mean, folks will hear oh, the track you. where you where you sing later on. I saw you live um, before, you know, before the pandemic and was just blown away by your voice and your, you, you know, your other ability. So let's talk about, you know, just beginning with that, with with singing. Did you you started that early? Did you take lessons? Do you just learn from uh, somebody in your family? Um, my father was a professional musician. Uh, he he had his own band in the late 60s, early 70s, and uh, recorded for Warner Brothers. Uh, he also sang and played guitar. And um, I was always really uh, guarded about uh, my voice and my art and just kind of, it was very personal to me. And so even though he he offered <laughs> to uh lend a guiding hand um i was pretty uh stubborn about that and insisted on kind of finding my own way um but definitely uh, a lot of musicians on both sides of my family and uh you know that that came out regardless but i i never took lessons um my father you know i grew up with a lot of music playing in the house and uh he always listening to music would would ask me to study different artists and uh, kind of notice like instrumentation and arrangement and uh, different styles and 
and things like that. And, and I think that kind of primed my brain to um, really follow that path. And with regards to the, the band that I had seen you, uh, had seen you open up for Blackwater Holy Light, another amazing band. Um, yeah. In, in Eugene in, in, in March. Um, I want to, I want to learn more about, uh, Coyote. Um, I want to learn about, you know, who's in the band, um, you know, and just generally why you put uh, Coyote together and what, what you're trying to do with the music. I love it. I mean, categorically, I know metal's crazy about categories. I mean, it has a, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it has a soulful sound. People say like stoner doom or, you know, doom. It has this noticeably imbued soul element, you know, that comes out through your voice and the, in the instruments. But tell me about, you know, I don't want to assume anything. Tell me about how Coyote came together and, sure. uh, you know, your role within that. So when I moved to Eugene in 2004, um, I was 19 years old and uh, just really kind of coming into my own as a songwriter and gaining confidence and uh, started out playing open mics and uh, kind of had that singer-songwriter thing going on, which I was never really comfortable with. Um, and that role of kind of, you know, the the young woman with the acoustic guitar at the coffee shop, I didn't really identify with with that so much. And I really uh, sought out other musicians to um, to help me <laughs> get away from that uh, role and kind of move into where I knew I wanted to be playing harder music. And um, uh, so I kind of had a few punk bands and like surf punk bands um, early on. But after I really kind of delved into the music scene in Eugene and, and started meeting more people and realizing, you know, how much talent there is here and, and how many great musicians uh, are, are out there, um, found a few people that I could relate to and felt comfortable playing with because as a young woman um in the scene it's kind of intimidating and uh can be tricky finding your way and uh maintaining your vision um but a friend of mine jeremiah who i always admired as a musician and a person uh we we decided that we were going to jam and I had some songs, you know, some of those songs that we play, I, I wrote in high school and have morphed and changed over the years into what they are now. Uh, but really in that first incarnation of Coyote, um, I just was sort of feeling out the sound that I was going for. And uh, it didn't start out that heavy, but as I became more confident in finding like my guitar tone and finding my voice, um, it quickly headed down that path. And Coyote has had a few personnel changes over the past six years. 
uh, but currently my partner, Jeff, is playing bass, and our good friend Ken plays drums, and Jeff and Ken have been in bands together over the past like 10 or 12 years, so they have a really strong uh, connection, and I think that comes through in our performances. We haven't been able to record uh, with this lineup yet. Um, hope too soon. But yeah, that has really lent itself to a lot of a lot of great sounds. And as far as the songwriting, like I've I write an entire completed song and then kind of show it to the guys and be like, all right, well, where where do you think your parts fit in here and there? And and they just kind of go with it and luckily they're gracious enough to let me do that because <laughs> you know uh not that I've ever kept anyone from bringing songs to the table but that's just always kind of how it's been so and it's um, also one of the more difficult you know things to navigate in the band you know as far as the creative inputs right and sure uh, yeah it sounds like you know you have some space uh you know some space within that did you you know you're talking about kind of is songs that you know the songs that you're talking about creating getting heavier and kind of maybe becoming immersed a little bit more into into the metal scene did you have to deal i mean did, did you have to deal with you know shit as being like a woman or an indigenous woman in the the metal scene i find the metal scene to to be a warm and inviting scene but i'm a 47 year old white guy who grew up listening to metal you know so did you find sure. any difficulties in, in, in that way in general? Um, I did not. Uh, I started out going to, I don't know if you ever went to the Samurai Duck back in the day when it was open here in Eugene. And that's kind of where I met some of the metal community. Um, and everyone was really warm and supportive. Uh, the the booker there, Steph, um, she kind of took me under her wing a little bit. And that's back when I was playing solo and playing uh, electric guitar solo. And she she would book me and let me play and kind of just cut my teeth and figure things out. And um, I was really grateful for that opportunity to grow. And... People have been supportive. Um, you know, there's sketchy people in in every scene, but as far as here, I've I've been really impressed with how warm and and welcoming people have been. Yeah, I find uh, I I found myself is uh, you know. I've been around uh, doom metal for a bit in, in, in Oregon for a few years, going to a lot of shows, and it's a very comfortable, very, I it's it's a very moving experience uh, for me, and um, I, I'm glad to hear that you know you've had, you know, there's a like you said in any scene there are there's always an element in metal does have some intensity in it, which brings that out in folks. But um, I wanted to play, hey, Sarah, I wanted to play um, a track of coyotes uh, called uh, glad hand. And uh, I'm going to play that now. And uh, we could chat about the track after, uh, after we play it. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. 
Thanks for putting that song together. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 I love that song. I love your vocals. Um, so one of the one of one of the questions I have um, is, and, and I've asked uh, folks who play metal uh, before, you know, do art is uh, with the pandemic right now. Um, what what do you think the role of of art or of say metal, you know, heavy metal uh, in the pandemic? What what are your thoughts on that? Oh. Well, I think uh, I think that it's definitely, you know, an outlet as far as, you know, we're all trapped, presumably, in our houses <laughs> uh, and cut off from a lot of experiences and people that we're usually... Uh, surrounded by and I think that you know creating and giving yourself an outlet is important to like to process something like this for sure because um, you know that's something just about all of us have not experienced until now so uh, it's a new and a new challenge for everybody. Do you feel, um, do you, do you, do you feel, uh, like I mentioned at the beginning of, of, of the podcast, you, uh, do bead work and you do some, you know, some graphic design and some also, uh, you know, some sketching and, and drawing. Do have you found that your mode of expression has changed or there's been greater output or less output or more pressure or less pressure? Uh, I definitely feel pressure, uh, put on myself, you know, to maintain a certain level of productivity, uh, which I've kind of, I know a lot of us have been struggling with because, you know, you feel like, oh, I have all this time on my hands. So it, it would seem natural to you know, take advantage of all, all of that time and just be creating as much as possible. But really, um, in my personal life right now, a, a lot going on, uh, like I've been taking care of my father who's been recovering from surgery and um, just kind of trying to maintain a comfortable situation for him and and also myself and my partner and my roommate and in our household um and just trying to make things feel norm as normal as possible which is a challenge uh but we we've been we've been getting through it okay you know and looking at it uh but yeah it's just a really strange crazy time and I, I have been drawing a lot more and uh, starting to get back into my beadwork. I usually do a, a market in the Whitaker neighborhood in, during the summertime. And, and that, of course, has been uh, canceled for this season. Um, so I haven't really been creating 
as much as I usually do as far as bead work goes, but I'm getting back into it and, you know, having to make money some way. <laughs> so that's kind of been my mode lately. And with um, I, one of the things that uh, I had mentioned to you before uh, chatting with you is I didn't realize that you uh, had sang, you sing in a, in a soul review, Sarah B in the 40. Uh, 45 RPM. Can you tell um, the listeners a little bit about that project and kind of what type of music you sing and how, how that how that project came about? Sure, yeah. Um, so going back to my, you know, my upbringing, uh, my father um, and my mother both are huge fans of like early soul and R&B um, and so that I was surrounded by that music growing up and that was my first love. Um, and, uh, when I was first starting to play with other musicians, um, one of my friends invited me to this, uh, lady jam, you know, all, <laughs> All yeah. older, all older ladies than me at the time. I, you know, I was 21 or 22. I can't remember. Um, but ladies that I looked up to, um, and I was just so blown away to be invited to to play, and and just they just accepted me, and uh, it was a great learning experience for me. But we ended up uh, playing a couple Otis Redding songs. And after the after that session, we sat around and we're like, man, wouldn't it be great to have a soul band? And I kind of just took the idea and, and ran with it and devoted all of my spare time <laughs> to, to putting this band together and uh, got on Craigslist and put an ad out for musicians and kind of put together this ragtag team of people who didn't know each other. And we managed to learn like 10 or 12 songs. And those songs are not easy to play. Uh, but we managed to do it. And we had a show on the 4th of July. And I remember it was at Sanborn's Garage. And I remember going to the door guy and like putting a couple people on the list. And he was like, you know... I wouldn't put too many people on the list because it's going to be a, you know, he was, I forget how he said it. But he was nice about it. He was like, you know, you're not going to get very many people in here tonight because of the holiday. Uh-huh. And, I, and I was just like, oh, you just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we packed the place and it was really a profound moment for me, um, kind of realizing my potential. And it it was really difficult to keep that going in that incarnation but every couple years I'd get the itch to do it again and, and put together a different group of people you know and it was always around 10 people in the band with the backup singers and the horn players and everything and uh, this m most recent time that I got a band together um, with with new people that uh, we're just really incredible musicians and um, 
just really reliable and confident people and it just clicked and it worked really well. So we decided to keep doing it. And it's been two years now going with that incarnation of the band. And it's been um, really important for me this time also like having that experience with Coyote and then coming back to the soul band because, you know, singing those songs, you know, we do like a lot of really challenging vocal parts and I've really had to step up my game and, and really learn a lot more about technique and um, having that experience and singing in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, which I had never done before, um, really gave me a lot more confidence to get back into the coyote material and not be afraid of my own voice. Uh, I think before I always knew what my potential and like my desired style was, but I wasn't, I was unsure of myself a little bit and I kind of held myself back. And, um, the experience with the soul band has really dissolved all of that for me. And I'm really grateful for that experience. And, uh, we hope to keep doing it if, you know, if live shows are still going to be a thing in the future, <laughs> but, uh, Oh yes, yeah, and, and and that, you know, the I I heard some of the tracks that you played, and myself, my parents, um, they they listen a lot of Motown. I heard a lot of, uh, I, I just hearing like Stevie Wonder and Otis Redding and like Marvin Gaye and things like that. And you mentioned uh, Otis Redding. I always felt like a particular connection to him when I worked in, um, I lived and worked in Madison for about a decade, and his plane crashed in Lake Monona. Um, so there's always this like close connection that's right near where my office was. And they have a nice plaque for that. And um, just kind of one mm -hmm. of those like incredible soulful voices. And it, it was challenging for you to sing those you mentioned. Um, it looks like a lot of fun singing those. Are they as fun to sing as they look? Oh, my God. It's it's the most the most fun I've ever had. <laughs> like every time we play, it's just, you know, the best night of my life. And to be able to, you know, sing those songs that I really love and, um, and admire. And, you know, like, for example, just like we did a Stevie Wonder tribute back in November and he is my favorite vocalist and songwriter. Love Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And, um, to be able to sing those powerful songs uh, and to have the crowd react the way that they do and to see just everyone having so much fun and just smiling and dancing. And, and um, it's just an incredible energy to experience. I um, love that album. I think I heard a song off uh, Inner, Inner Visions, um, mm -hmm. that great Stevie Wonder um, album. Um, it looks a lot of fun. I'm glad that it's it's a lot of fun. I, I know you'll get the chance to, 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 to do that again. <laughs> um, yeah. I, know, I, I know you will. Hey, uh, Sarah, I got a, a question, of, one of the big questions here. Um, what is art? Yeah, that's a, it's, it's difficult to describe, uh, but I think, you know, there's so many different forms of art 
in so many different ways to um, identify it and have it hit you. But really, it, I think it's anything that kind of, you know, hits that buzzer that makes you feel something or, or elicits this uh, kind like primitive response in people, whether it's, um, you know, laughter or sadness or like introspection or, uh, you know, it, it manifests in so many ways, but I think it's just something that, that hits a person and makes them feel something. Yeah, and I asked that I asked that question um, throughout the the podcast. I'm always fascinated um, because it's one of those questions I like to ask a lot of different people because everybody has some sort of experience or appreciation of of art. And I think once you get into that question, a lot a lot one of the main things that comes up is kind of like the emotional connection that people have to, you know, what they're hearing or or what they're performing and. Um, I just found that there's there's a lot of emotion that comes up about it rather than like it, it's comprised of X, Y, and Z. Um, and I, I hear that in in your answer as well. Did you, when you, um, one of the questions I asked as far as the creative process, um, it, it, the question is why you create. Do, do you feel that, that you're compelled to create, you know, music and otherwise, and it's kind of just what you have to do? Or do you ever step back and say, you know, why, uh, why am I doing this? What am I trying to do, uh, you know, as a creator when I'm creating something? Sure. Yeah, it's definitely, um, I think that creating, whether it's, you know, music or visual art or uh, theater or whatever, it's something that you're compelled to do and, and it's like beyond your control. I think that um, people who have that drive, it's hard to figure out where it comes from and it's hard to describe, but it's just there. And, uh, you know, it, it's this is a conversation I have with my dad a lot and um, you know really I think through those conversations we both come to the conclusion that really a person is just a conduit and that these ideas and these feelings um, already exist and they're up there floating around somewhere and if you're in the right place at the right time and you're receptive to it it will just come through you and and out into the world for other people to experience i i can confirm your 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 answer in seeing you live i mean part of the thing was i was reaching out to you because like um haven't seen you live and heard the music like when i heard your voice and how you're singing and i heard the soulful element to it I started to look around. I'm like, does anybody else see what's happening here? Because, <laughs> because metal, metal, metal brings that in. Metal has incredible vocals. A lot of people kind of get confused about that who aren't into metal. It has incredible vocals, but I there was a sound that you were bringing in that was like, 
channeling that was emotive, that was a deeper soulful resonance within metal. And that's where I looked around me. I'm like, anybody else see what's happening here? So I, <laughs> I told, like, I was there when you did that. And I totally connected to your answer because um, that was the piece of like, whoa, take a look at this. So that, and, and you know, and, and do reverence to what, what, to that, to that moment. Um, I think that's where the power is. At least that's what I saw, and particularly with the metal, with the metal music, which has so much power inherent within it. Um, Definitely. Well, uh, yeah. I've, yeah. Go I ahead. Feel sorry. Like, oh, that's okay. I feel like, um, especially art that is performed, where you have that person-to-person connection with artist to audience, um, that element is so much larger as opposed to just like walking through a museum and, and looking at, at creations. Um, and really the performance for me is like, I have to go to a place where I know I won't get in the way. Like I kind of, you know, people have brought to my attention, like, oh, you you always have your eyes closed. Like, you should engage the audience more. And really, it's like, if I'm, I look around, you know, <laughs> every once <laughs> in a while. But really, I, it's not a concentration, but it's more of just, like, letting myself dissolve away and just let the music come out and be... I love that description. I got um, I got uh, the the big question for you, Sarah. Um, why is there something rather than nothing? I think that you know people can't help but create and and. Uh, you know, distill whatever it is down and and um, find a way to relate to each other. And I think that, you know, considering all, all the ancestors past and, you know, every, there's no, if you believe it, or you could say, you know, there's no original thoughts. There's everything that exists has always existed. And I think that um, there's something about human beings that just uh, grab on to those ideas and those feelings and, and put them out into the world. And it's, we're lucky that we get to do that. Yeah, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, uh, in, in conclusion, one of the things I wanted to ask is if you can let listeners know how to connect with your music and how to connect with, you know, you, if, if you wanted that. Um, but also you had mentioned some of the, some of the art work that you do or the, the bead work, if you can just kind of let us know too, um, if any of that type of stuff's available. So it's totally in your control as far as where to <laughs> lead listeners as far as, um, but just what's, what's the best way for them to come in contact with you and your work? So for Coyote, um, we have a, a Reverb Nation page. We have a Facebook page. We have an Instagram, Coyote the Band, uh, with underscores in between. 
Um, Sarah B3 and 45 RPM. We also have uh, Instagram and Facebook. Um, my beadwork uh, I put out into the world under uh, B Coyote Creations. Uh, and I also have an Instagram and Facebook for that. Um, so, yeah, the normal channels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I just, I just, um, you know, as I've expressed to you, um, I, I really enjoy uh, everything you create. I, I found uh, I'm 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 fine in admitting that your your voice just blew me away in a style of music uh, that that I adore, adore. And then I found the 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 Motown, the soulful uh, element of your singing. So I just wanted to thank you for everything that that you do artistically. I truly appreciate it, and to make sure. Um, that listeners really get um, uh, the ability to connect with what you do. Um, Sarah Built, uh, it's been a, a, an incredible time um, chatting with you, and I appreciate your thoughts and wisdom. And again, every piece of art that, that you put out, just wanted to deeply thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, you take care, Sarah, and um, best to you and yours uh, and your dad as well. Thank you. You as well. Take care now.